so Trent. T-Man. What have you been eating? Ho <laughs> oh, Yeah, Parthis. Program is more about food than cinema these days, isn't it? So exactly. much so that this is a morning edition of Craft Services the Podcast, so I had to force some food into my face so we'd have something to discuss. So right here I have one small cup of coffee. Cup of Joe. Yeah, well put. Cool slang. Um, what about you, bro? <laughs> You eaten anything recently? I have to correct you, Trent. It's it's not so much a morning program as it is an afternoon program. It's it's at time of recording. It's three thirty six p.m. Well, that may be your time zone, but here, Parth, in the mountain time zone, it's only it's 1:36. still one thirty six p.m. There, that's still not morning. Well, I I wake up at like eleven thirty these days. I don't know if that makes me a war criminal, but my body just requires so much fuel just because yeah that uh, actually does make you a war criminal trent so, so i wouldn't um, have we could we, like, I, I could edit this out i'm gonna choose not to anyways i i had a sushi burrito yeah, Parth, what about you sushi burrito mm-hmm. yeah you blend two different cuisines and made them one um it's it's just an meal. oversized sushi tell me about it what's what's inside who's who, who came to the party is me and my my friend Sophia. Your friend, my my good friend Sophia. Um, don't smile at me like that. Our listeners can't can't see this, but but we we can see each other right now. And let the record reflect: smirk. there was no smiling. There was a smile. There's a there's a little smirk as he drank a cup of Joe. All right. Anyways. continue. You 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 and your sushi deserve each other. We went to New Brunswick. Um, uh, where Rutgers is, if you will. Where we hail um, from. Wait, what'd you do there? Why? School isn't in session. Remote learning is underway. I have a photography class that I take um, as Wait, a student Parth, currently. Parth, it, Parth, is your photography class six hours? Asking for a friend. It's uh, six and a half. Yeah. Oh. All right, so you're in New Brunswick. Yeah, so I'm in New Brunswick, and my friend Kate Rotunda had a reflector which has not come in the mail yet for me and so i went to go use hers so we took some photos and then afterwards we were like hmm little little peckish little hungry Mm. um so we were like i was like hey you want to have a sushi burrito she was like yes parth that's, that's a my really imitation. good impression. Anybody that heard our Gone Girl episode will know that's exactly how she sounds. It's an uncanny resemblance. W- it's where, something else. Where'd you get this from? I think a restaurant? Po- Pokey Cafe or something? Oh, everyone's been to the Pokey Cafe at least once. Have they? That's... Is this a joke or? Yeah, no, I, no one here has ever heard of that. Wait, I, tell me how it was, for God's sake. We've come all this way. Oh, well, Fine. It was good. It was really good. I'll say. I it. still want to know what's inside. That hasn't changed. Um, I had spicy tuna, some cucumbers, red onion, um, Japanese mayo, whatever that is. Probably Japanese rice, white rice. Yeah. Wow, Parth. Everything you just said was super awesome. I listened the whole time. Well, now it's time we start the program. Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, the podcast where we talk about the movies. Each week we discuss a film and interview a crew member of that film about their experience. This week, we have the casting directors for our film for this week, Trial of the Chicago 7. And with us, we got to talk with casting directors, Mickey Pascal and Jennifer Rudnicki. And they were pretty cool. Your accent really fell off at the end there, almost um, like it was completely fabricated. See, the thing about that accent is it was a creative decision that I immediately regretted, so much so that I continued doing it. 
Yeah, it's funny how you um, suffered a tragic throat injury and then that severely altered your voice and then you just decided to bring that trauma into the episode. Um, it was like a bold decision you made, but ultimately, decision, yeah. as we both know, it backfired in a grand fashion. And I think all we can do at this point is strongly discourage any um, anything like it in the future so parth we had an interview am i wrong that would be not incorrect all right so um, double negative we had an interview it went well it was with the casting directors of the trials chicago 7 which comes out on october 16th on netflix and here it is now go listen Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special interview. We have two guests here with us. We have Mickey Paschal and Jennifer Rugnicki. They were the casting directors behind the Chicago unit for the film we are talking about today. They've worked on projects such as Widows, Shameless, and our film for today, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Welcome, and thank you for Hello. being here. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yes. Um, so. It. This is a special interview. We have uh, three time zones, two guests, one podcast. Um, did you like that, Trent? Yeah, that was good. Thank you. So um, I guess what we'll start with is th uh, this is your own casting business, and we wanted to ask how your company, uh, how your company started and how you started in the casting business. Sure. You want to go first, Mick? You can go first. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, well, so yeah, so Mickey and I, uh, we just looked at the calendar and realized we've uh, been partners for 18 years, but it's really strange because we're only about 22 years old. And <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, so we partnered up in 2002 and we had both been doing casting previously before that. And um it's been, you know, it's been a crazy ride. We, our company casts for uh, commercials, TV, film, uh, print, voiceover, you know, kind of anything if you need an actor, live events. Um, but our main bread and butter is going to be TV, film, and commercial. Uh, so that's pretty much, you know, kind of that. I had um, gone to school for theater. I was uh, a production major. So I was uh, a stage manager. And then I kind of got out of that and found and found cast. And uh, I'm a failed actress. I was excruciatingly bad as an actress, uh, but loved actors and uh, interned at a casting office and uh, bought the business when I was 24 because um, I didn't know any better. So I've been uh, been there ever since. How uh, far did you take your career as a failed actress? And when did you uh, know it was time to change? Trent? Yes, I will tell you. I did one day on a film, uh, one day on a commercial, and one play, and each event was more excruciating than the one that came before. I can't really express to you. I lost my line in the commercial because a parrot actually ended up taking a dump on my shoulder, and then I panicked, and I forgot my line. And then the movie, I got asked to stop uh, doing my line because I couldn't get it out without panicking, and uh, the play I, I'm not even going to talk about. What was the parrot on your shoulder for? Like, what was the product? Yeah. Like, uh, was it pirate related? It was unfortunately not. It was, uh, there used to be a company called Geo, car company, Geo Prism, where it was a car. And I had to say this long line about what a great car it was and that my parrot liked to ride in it. Uh, but then, like I said, the parrot had an accident. And then I started focusing on the accident on my shoulder and I, I couldn't say the line. You can well, find it, Trent, somewhere. You're a young person. I would love to see it. Uh, we'll, we'll do some digging. Um, so how did you get involved with our chosen film trial of the Chicago seven? Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough, I actually got a call about it. I, I swear it was 12 or 14 years ago. Um, I think at the time Spielberg was scouting Chicago to shoot it, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so I had, I had gotten reached out to about it several times but jen when did we when when did this yeah 
Um, so it was funny because we got this call from uh, the producer, Stuart Besser, and uh, it was it was like late April of 2019. Um, and he was like, uh, we are still figuring out the money, but we have all these people committed to it. Um, you know, they had Sasha Baron Cohen and, and Eddie Remain and all those people um, already, all ready to do it, but they didn't have like an official studio, um, ready to really foot the bill, which is incredibly unusual for a, a film when you have all those actors, especially those, you know, A-list actors to be on. Usually there's already some film company that, that is behind it. And this was a really strange thing. And he goes, so we're going to get going anyway, because we just want to make this, uh, I've been working, and I forget how long he said he had been working on it, trying to get it made. And uh, we were like, great, we're ready. We love it. We'll go. Let's do it. And then we didn't hear from him. And uh, we were like, well, I guess it's not happening, or they chose somebody else, or we don't know. And uh, then out of the blue in August, so, you know, what is that, four months later, he calls and he's like, okay, we're really ready now. <laughs> and they actually were. Um, so then we really got started working on it. So yeah, it was about August of 2019. Um, and that was when they had figured out they were going to shoot May, because originally I think when he called in August, I mean, sorry, in April, um, they were going to shoot, I think, all of it in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And then when he called in August, they, um, at that point, whoever had kind of come up with some of the money, they had made the decision that financially it made more sense, I don't know why, um, to do all the like indoor things in New York or just outside of New York. So then they were going to just do all the exterior stuff. Um, and so we just needed to then be hired to, to cast the actors that were going to be seen in the exterior scenes. Um, but I do know that was like incredibly important to Aaron Sorkin was that they try and shoot, you know, as close to the actual locations that these things happened in, you know, as much as possible. Um, well, that, that sort of goes into one of our other questions, which is you were the Chicago unit. And so how do you, uh, coordinate with the main unit, uh, if at all, or if you're given complete autonomy in that regard? We did a lot of communicating. Interesting, what happened, uh, LA casting uh, was very cool with us. And we were allowed to tape folks, not just for exterior uh, location work, we actually ended up casting several people who ended up flying out to shoot um, on the East Coast. Uh, that was amazing and fabulous. Um, and we didn't work in super close proximity. They kind of let us do our thing while they did their thing. Um, but we could certainly run ideas by them and notions that we had. But we were fairly autonomous on it. We had kind yeah. of our mission and and they had theirs. So any of like the main actors who were seen outdoors in Chicago, was that part of like your jurisdiction? Yeah. Or so, Yeah. Any, oh. anybody that had lines, we didn't do any of the extras, but uh, anybody that had lines or was featured interacting that had dialogue with any of the main folks, those were ours. I think we ended up casting, what'd you say, Jen, 20? It was about 26 roles. Um, yeah, it, it would have been probably closer to 40 uh, had they not, had they stayed here for the whole thing. Um, but basically what they went and did in the Jersey, New York area was, um, all the like interior oh, court scenes. Yeah. Um, but uh, for us, you know, we had a bunch of the, the riots um, and, you know, a couple of the, you know, when they go in and, and you know, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, um, you know, break into somebody's house and uh, the cops break in and what is that called? Uh, break well, in. Anyway. I guess, we, yeah. We've yet to see the film. To, we're, we're waiting yeah, for the Netflix release. Yeah, trying to arrest somebody. The raids. Yeah. Raids. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank You're you. welcome. Yeah, it was interesting. Our, our stuff and, and all this stuff for the courtroom, you know, it's, it, it was interesting to work on a film where you're casting real people um, and real situations. And obviously in 1968, these moments were incredibly iconic. So different things that kind of started um, 
some of the protests turning violent, a, you know, a kid ran up one of the flagpoles um, and that was one of the first instances of the cops interacting with what had been previously a very peaceful protest, but that was a real person. There was a girl that was on the shoulders that um, started to get approached and hassled um, and attacked. That, that was a real moment. Um, and these are moments that people knew. And when you're working with a director um, who's brilliant, like Aaron Sorkin, you're, it's a different type of casting process. You're, you're trying historically um, to get these lines that were actually said correctly. And it's difficult to cast protests and riots in a studio by yourself with actors screaming like, take the hill was an iconic <laughs> moment from this. And it's ridiculous in our time, you know, in our studio. Um, so his, with historical context as part of this process, it was a very interesting film to cast uh, and challenging. So you said you don't deal in casting extras, or at least they don't have to audition. Is that right? Yeah, there's a t it's a totally different career yeah. in Chicago. So there's extras, casting directors. Oh, okay. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a it's a for real job. It's a job I could not handle. It um, bless them. It is, uh, and yeah. of course they historically had to cast you know <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of people as part of these right. programs. Oh, well, I was just going to ask, um, one of our questions is what the casting process is like. And I, I had no idea that there was an entirely different, uh, there's extras and like principles, I guess, casting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you could describe what your process is like, and if, if you know, um, if you can give us some insight on the extra casting process as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so for us, you know, um, you know, once we're, uh, you know, once we have the script, um, you know, we'll break it down into what the roles are um, and, you know, or they or they've given us the list of roles that they want us to cast. And um, and we work together on a description for those people, um, you know, as to not just age and um, and gender so much, but also as to the type of qualities of the person and character of of the nature of the person, I guess. Um, and this one was a little bit different, of course, because some of these people were obviously real people. Um, so we had to make sure that we were, you know, casting, keeping that in mind. I think one of the favorite, um, for me, I don't know, Mickey, for you, but one of my favorite thing, roles that we cast was Allen Ginsberg. Um, we needed to find somebody who could resemble and look like Allen Ginsberg. And we basically had two people in mind. Uh, one guy would have been amazing for it, except he was uh, a little bit older than Allen would have been when, uh, you know, 1969 or 67 when this was all going on. And, uh, and then there was Alan Matoski and uh, Alan got it. And I think that was all we showed them, right, Mick? I mean, I think we did too a couple others, just to yeah. a little bit depth of field, but yeah, yeah, we sent them it, was, it was very fun. So yeah, so this one was you're also like trying to you know then kind of match maybe who who you need to match in in a real life scenario. Um, but then, uh, so then we'll put that out. We'll put that out to the local talent agents, sometimes to further away talent agents, but mostly to the Chicago talent agents, and they'll sort of send us uh, submissions of who they represent that they think would be right for it. And then Mickey and I are going to narrow it down and we're going to decide who we think really can possibly handle it. And then we're going to have those folks come into our office pre-COVID and uh, we're going to have them do the audition with the pages from the script and we're going to direct them in doing that. And then we're going to send that footage off to the producers and the director and hear if they like them. So we'll probably send them, you know, maybe in a normal situation, like for this, I think we maybe sent five people, you know, for, for Aaron and the, and the producers to consider. And then they could come back with and say to us like, Hey, we like this person, but could you try, you know, have them do it again, but this way, or, uh, which I don't think that actually happened on this one, but that can happen. And, um, or like, great, let's hire this person. Um, or, you know, we're not feeling any of these people. Do you got anybody else? And then we, we kind of started that process over again. Um, and I think, you know, so, so that's kind of the main thing it does then, you know, in other films, 
uh, you then have to go through the process of getting the studio to sign off. Um, but this wasn't that kind of situation. I mean, pretty much uh, Mr. Sorkin wants, Mr. Sorkin gets. So, uh, which is understandable. Um, Power of so the Oscar. Was, yeah, <laughs> right. So if he liked him and he wanted him, that, that's, that's who got the role. And, um, you know, so, so that's kind of, you know, what we'll need to do for any principal casting, for anything, uh, for any film, TV, uh, even commercial. And then the difference I could say for like extras is going to be that those people are going to like sign up to be willing to be an extra. And the main thing that they'll have to just do is, you know, make sure they have their, their height and weight and sizes and, and what they look like sort of registered for lack of a better word with that casting office, with that extras casting office. And then the extras casting office will then put out a thing to like, they'll pull from their, you know, they'll pull from their people that are registered with them and say like, Hey, are you guys available on these dates? And then if they are, then they'll take those photos and sit down with, you know, with the director or the assistant director and um, or producer sometimes. And then they'll narrow it down and say like, yeah, I like these faces. These people can be the extras. And then they call those people and say, okay, yeah, you're on for Thursday and Friday at this time in this location. Um, you know, kind There's of no thing. auditioning. There's no audition. Yeah. They don't need to have had any you know, sort of um, background Best experience like or that. qualifications. Yeah, no. So no. Uh, you're in an interesting predicament with this movie being that it's based on real events and also recent enough to the point where some of the players could still be alive. So okay. you, do you have to like honor their likeness in any particular way or, or get their uh, approval and who you cast or have they kind of like signed that right away and it's just creative rendition i think for the for most of the characters for most of the policemen that we ended up casting that ended up on the stand as part of the trial i don't know if they were amalgamations of a bunch of you know obviously they had to make it more concise i think the trial was weeks and weeks um so I think those we were less concerned with a look. They never even gave us a look. I I did so much for I'm a research girl. Um, so I spent, you know, during the four months we weren't being contacted, I already started casting, um, trying to look up pictures because we, we got the script pretty quickly uh and couldn't find some of these actual cops and officers um and protesters that we were casting. But I would imagine, I don't know, for main title, if they had approval or if they ran by. Uh, decisions with the actual folks? I have no idea. So as far as the casting process goes, we were wondering how long that generally takes and how long it took on this film. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Jen, what, what were we on this for? Well, I was going to say overall uh, for this film, as I'm using my earbud, um, we, like, we got that call in August and then I looked it up just partly out of curiosity before before we got on the phone today or got on this podcast today and I looked our last email that we sent uh, of any actual true business that was required was uh, mid-October uh, so August through October I would say like um, six to eight weeks is kind of a, yeah. a common film shoot uh, I think Widows was longer but we Widows had over 80, 80 roles in Widows so um it, it kind of depends also on roll count. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, actors can get uh, chosen very quickly and sometimes it can, it can go weeks. Um, a lot of times we'll get brought on to start finding these roles that are, are, you know, are going to be necessary and are going to shoot like, during the first week of shooting and that sort of thing. But, you know, sometimes maybe what's happening is, is they're uh, having difficulties locking in somebody um, that's, you know, one of the celebrities or something like that. And their focus sort of all gets drawn to that. And we kind of have to sort of sit and wait a little bit. And, and then, you know, so a lot of our actors and us sort of sit and kind of wait and hope that, we know the people who are going to get it. And then we get the call and they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to go with this person and we need them tomorrow. 
<laughs> and then we have to suddenly, you know, make it happen. And luckily, Chicago folks um, are amazing, and and they usually make themselves available. So it happens. It can happen really fast, or it could. So I guess I guess there's been times where people have known for a little while that they had the role. Uh, we were wondering how the material um, was selected for a scene for someone to read for an audition, whether that's like in your control or if that's coming from Lord Sorkin up above. <laughs> uh, in this case, completely under our control. So we pulled our own sides. Um, we worked, uh, we were in contact with uh, the main title casting for some of the larger roles to see kind of which scenes we wanted to focus on, but we pull our own sides. And, and so how do you decide that? Just what you think is like the most gripping soliloquy for a given yeah. character? You know, you want to see like emotionally, yes, can the actor get there for these things? So uh, you want to kind of almost pick the most trying scenes to do in the audition process because you can't really do the banal ones. You won't really learn anything. So we'll kind of, um, kind of we'll try to keep it cohesive. Like I said, a lot of these were, you know, yells and um, protests and screams and running and battling. And so it was a very, like literally I'd be pulling scenes and think, well, this is actually going to be impossible to do in the studio, but it's the scene we got to do. So let's do it. Um, so as, as far as the, when, when an actor is being cast, um, is to what extent does the director get involved? Do they get, if, if at all? Yeah, very young. Every we never had the pleasure of speaking to Mr. Sorkin on this. We got messages. We would get feedback, very generous feedback. Um, but uh, yeah, he's getting ready to direct a movie. So, um, so we did our thing. Um, it was a very respectful situation, and like I said, we're very, very happy to get you know over twenty actors on this thing. Um, and then we have films where we're in contact and living with the director every day in our studio for four weeks. So every film is different. Every episodic is different. Sorry. I'm just going to name off some of, as you know, there's a very vast cast here. So Sasha Baron Cohen, Joseph Gordon-Levin, Michael Keaton, John Carroll Lynch, Eddie Redmayne, uh, Jeremy Strong. Were you, did you audition with any of them or were those like the more no, principal photography people? All attached. All attached. Okay, so that, that was main title, I guess. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you know their name, we didn't cast them on this film. Okay. I was just going to say that, uh, and most of them didn't audition, I'm sure. Uh, most of them were just offered the roles. That was my next question. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is, you know, a lovely place to be once you get to a certain level in that, in your in your career for an actor is to just be offered a role, um, you know, and not have to audition for it. So do you guys hire anyone for non-speaking roles? But like that aren't an extra or like, how do you, how do you audition for that? Yeah. I don't know for Chicago seven, if we did, but we just finished a series so. uh, Fargo and we, you know, um, Noah likes amazing actors. And if there's a person in a diner who's sitting next to someone who's about to get taken down, that person better be just as good an actor as the person getting taken down. So yeah, that counter person to Noah is a key player in the scene and we audition we auditioned a lot of people for for mos roles for fargo yeah so what i was gonna say like in terms of auditioning some of these roles that don't have lines but are going to be principles um it 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 is a little awkward i think we all kind of get through it together um we all sort of start off right away with the elephant in the room of like wow this is really weird to have to try and do this audition when we don't have any lines um and uh and then you, you know sorry <laughs> um and then uh so like there was a role for um like what they call a, a smoking man and uh we literally you know had guys walk across so like our studio and um and like stop you know do the like you know, packing or whatever, and, you know, pretend to take out a cigarette and sit there and kind of, we would give them an idea of kind of like what they were watching, you know, out and then be like, okay, that's gone. You can move on. And then they would kind of just keep walking. And that could literally be the whole audition. 
John, um, and that was Fargo. Was Chicago yeah. Seven the the young man getting his draft notice? Yes. So that so an example of a, yes. an, a that one was really hard. MOS scene. So in Chicago Seven, and I haven't seen it yet, obviously. So I don't know if the scene made it in. But a young um, black man gets his notice that he's been drafted, um, and it was a chilling. No lines, nothing scripted. We had young actors come in and open this letter that was going to change their life, destroy their life, ruin their life, inspire their life, uh, and take, you know, 30 seconds to read these words and let it affect what they were going to do. And that was one of the most moving auditions we had for, for the film. So, yeah. So I've kind of forgotten about that a little bit. Yeah. That yeah, was really so, hard. So sometimes the non-scripted roles are the, the most riveting. Uh, we were wondering, uh, once you offer someone the part, is there any scenario where, they get on the set and it isn't working out and then you have to recast or are the decisions final for the most part? Uh, so in the 29 years I've been casting, it has happened. People have gotten uh, released and we have recast. It's very rare. It's, it's very rare. And sometimes it's actor dynamics. Sometimes it's, oh God, they're six foot five and we didn't know it. Um, so it's for, for various reasons, but that very infrequently by the point where shooting has begun, your role is pretty much complete. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's basically just paperwork. I mean, this is a boring question, but like what kind of paperwork just out of curiosity? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no. Uh, so there's um, most of the time, uh, when they're an actor's cast, they have us create, I mean, there's a lot of other like little um, approval emails and things like that that you have to send and everything. But the main sort of paperwork uh, is what they call a deal memo. And, uh, and that is basically what lays out all the terms for that actor and what role they're playing and all their contact information and that sort of thing and how much they'll get paid and what they're guaranteed. Um, so, you know, whether they're guaranteed one day of work, or whether they're guaranteed a week of work and how much they're getting paid for that. Um, it'll just lay out all those terms. And, um, and so those have to be sent off and that's how they kind of generate their contracts. Um, and there's sometimes a little bit of, uh, well, I shouldn't say sometimes I'd say 50% of the time there's some, there's some, uh, negotiation to be done about how to, how to book that actor in terms of, can we give them a little bit more money? Um, can they maybe get a better trailer, uh, for when they are on set? Um, can they maybe get transportation from their home to the set? Um, you know, things like, like that, you know, making sure that, um, you know, we have, uh, how they want to be credited on screen versus the, maybe their legal name, you know, that's, that's pretty much what's all on the deal memo. And, uh, and that, so those will just take a little bit of time. They're not that long or anything, but it's just like, if you mess something up, it comes yeah. back to haunt you. <laughs> um, so we, when we found out we were going to be able to interview you two, um, we asked one of our professors, Adam Volerich, who's an independent filmmaker himself, and he wanted to ask uh, what the process for casting an unknown is like um, and how that differs from casting like somebody that's an established actor. Well, so the key part of that question is unknown to whom? Because to me your unknown is my person I've been working with for four years since they graduated from the theater program at DePaul. And I've watched them through four showcases and I've seen them on stage at steep and timeline and Goodman. So it's, so right. yeah, what, what we will, I mean, our job, listen, we're, you know, at the end of the day, we have our aesthetic and then we have our salesmanship. So uh, we trust our opinion. Um, I trust my aesthetic. I'm, I'm good to have a conversation with anyone to sell somebody and to, to me, you know, I, I would present someone never as an unknown, someone untried theatrically feature wise. Um, but we've got powerhouse theater actors uh, in Chicago. And that's why independent filmmakers, we work with a ton. I mean, that's my joy, yeah. independent film. Um, so there's nothing I like more than sitting down with someone saying, yes, you could go with so-and-so from community um, or... I can show you, you know, three people that just graduated that are, you know, phenomenal who you need to meet. Um, and they have been tested because they've been on stages 
or they've done these other independents. So that's kind of how we would present an, a, an unknown. Our problem is our unknowns can't finance anything. So right. you re- so I so we always appreciate that we need a couple we need some commodity actors and then we need some 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 of ours um, and I think that's how we would kind of a, a, approach an independent film director kind of from uh, that. So let us know if our research deceived us, but the internet told us that you have uh, done casting for Shameless as well. Yes, we've yeah. done all the Chicago casting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, they they shoot uh, the majority of the show in Los Angeles because the main actors all live there. Uh, and then they come two to three times a year uh, to Chicago to shoot exterior scenes. And then that's where we come in again, you know, to get uh, any actors that then talk with the the main family you know, with the Gallagher's, uh, you know, with Kevin Veronica, um, you know, uh, so uh, like if you see a scene, um, I'm trying to think, you know, a specific one, but like there's one where there's uh, like uh, uh, the boys are stealing scooters and uh, they get into this confrontation with a mom who just comes out of yoga, you know, like that, that character is somebody that we've cast. Um, There's a scene where Fiona's got, uh, an inspector coming and looking at one of the buildings. This is a previous season. You know, these are all previous seasons. I don't want to talk about anything that hasn't happened yet. But um, that, you know, that is like, you know, inspecting the roof of the building that she used to own. And um, and that inspector is somebody that we'll have cast. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. Um, and it's gotten to a point where uh, we really since we've been doing it for so many seasons that it's, I, we, I kind of play like a little game with myself of like, can I sort of pick who they're going to cast? Like I'll see other people than the people I think they'll cast. But um, like there was one that we were, there's one group of uh, auditions we were doing. And I was like, you know, if they don't cast X, Y, and Z in these roles, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing as a casting director. And sure enough, um, we showed them options, including X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z got it. Like it was, it, and then I, you know, it was just a blast. It was just a blast to know that that happened and that we've gotten to know their taste and they've gotten to know that they can look to us to find what they need. Um, we've spoken to a few people that have worked in both film and television, and the general consensus seems to just be that television is just much, much faster. Um, and I was wondering if in casting, if it's if time is the only um, difference when working on television versus film, or if there's a slightly different uh, approach okay, to the process. Is definitely different. Um, I, I'd say approval is really different between film and television. Jennifer, is that fair? I feel like Definitely. from our episodics, um, you know, when we when you have the privilege of working with somebody like Sorkin or Steve McQueen, um, and even Noah Hawley on Fargo, which I know is episodic but feels very filmatic when you're casting it, um, they like somebody that somebody is cast. Um, for a lot of the episodic stuff we've done that shoots in Chicago where we're casting, you know, 15, 20 people every episode. I, Jennifer, am I lying if I say there's sometimes 17 points of approval? It's it's unreal actor. sometimes. All the levels you have to get of, of approval, yeah. Um, because often what you have to do is you have to get the director for that episode's approval, and then you have to get uh, then the main, like the, the main producer's approval. And then you have to get the studio's approval and then you have to get the network's approval and at and at the level you know i mean usually there's you know two or three producers who have to sign off then there's two or three people at the studio and then there's two or three people at the network so that that Um, that makes television very different from from film you know so that's pacing wise you know for an episodic you've got eight days per episode so you read the script, you've got two days to prep it, you bring people in for two days, then the approval takes the last three. Um, whereas, you know, for film, like I said, we've got six weeks, they can cast everybody week by week, session by session, or for like Widows, we cast 62 people in a day. At the end, like we literally sat down with the exact producer and Ms. McQueen and just we, we were just screaming, dancing around the office. We just got like a list of... So it so it 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 can vary, but I would say that's basically the difference between 
casting film intelligent is is pacing and approval. Um, what was working on Widows like? What was that process like? Best Amazing. thing in the whole world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, you know, so working on Trial of Chicago 7 was was amazing um, for so many different reasons. You know, one, like my mother and all my aunts and uncles and stuff, like all were, you know, they were here when that was happening and stuff. So like, it was fun to be able to talk to them about that. And it was fun to know that we were working, um, you know, with a, with Aaron Sorkin and, um, and on such an iconic thing and a great script, of course, and, and all of that. But, but with Widows, um, we, we had so much more interaction with Steve and we watched him, uh, like we cast these two rappers um, and we watched him meet them and basically decide they could handle this, these, this role or uh, these roles um, and just, just watch his brilliance and, uh, and just be such a part of that, I guess. And what, I don't know, I guess that's the main thing, but Mickey, I, let you I, I, I mean, I think part of the reason I, like I said before about casting being aesthetics and opinion and um, it's, a, it's at the end of the day, it's collaboration. So when you feel like a team member, um, that's how Steve made us feel uh, respected and seen and heard. He's that way with everybody. Um, he was that way with every actor that came in. He cast most people without ever meeting them uh, based on asking us, can I trust them? And then we would say yes. And then he did. Um, because he trusts the people that he works with. Uh, the actors that he did that had the pleasure and the grace of of working with him in session was one of the more beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. He speaks musically. He speaks um, expertly. He is able to uh, work a scene 17 different ways, all of which are valid and credible. And he do- doesn't allow you to know that you're working. You think you're just uh, collaborating and 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 making art with him. Um, so it was a it was a very collaborative, respectful process. And and we felt that very strongly. I have a little bit of a periphery question. So in the casting process, do people ever come in wearing like period specific clothing as if that may like give them an yes. edge over the competition? Yes. Tell us about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it doesn't really help. It just kind of wigs uh, yeah, us I out. Yeah, I was curious if there's any <laughs> advantage to uh, already being in, in costume. Right. Like when, right. It's scary. Like, yeah. Like when nuns walk in dressed as nuns or, or, uh, we, we did the playboy club and, uh, ill-fated series for, I think NBC, but we, people will just show up in, in playboy bunny outfits, uh, unrequested. And that's uh, okay. <laughs> Where'd you find it? Why do you have it? <laughs> did you wear it on the L? Um, are you, you going to, you, you know, wear it to the jewel to go shopping. Um, no, we, you know, I usually recommend that people just give us a flavor of whatever it is they're auditioning for, but some people, yeah, just, you know, you're coming as the you're going full throttle ears and tail. You're just, you're just going to yeah. go for it. There are a few chosen success stories of that working out for no name actors. So that you, you, <laughs> you have to try. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it can work. It can totally, we, we have Santa's audition every season. It's about time again. And some of them like will not sign in on the SAG sign-in sheet as anything other than S clause. Like they will not come out of character to tell us. Right. It makes you really yeah. angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, some people will take it to a whole new, a whole, a whole crazy level. And then there's the people that will be like, you know what? I think, you know, I think this woman would be a little more buttoned up and uh and it was 1940s so i'll make sure i you know do my hair and maybe a little bit more like that style and then that's amazing you know that works really well um but yeah if you're coming full abraham lincoln where it's a little weird um well i guess we can start to wrap up um and one of the questions we like to ask all of our one of the questions we like to ask all of our guests is how you've been able to work during quarantine and whether you've been able to cast things in quarantine. I know film production's starting to come back a little bit. And so, yeah, if you could describe how it's been. Sure. Uh, Lonely. Um, (laughs) 
lonely, depressing, sad, overwhelming. Uh, we're picking back up now. Um, so there's light uh, somewhere, but uh, it's been a, it, for so many reasons, uh, a, a rough five months, six months here in Chicago. Um, and we want to make this uh, city a better place to work in for everybody. And work seems to be knocking. I actually, uh, Jen just got a text about a pilot that's coming here. Woo-hoo. So that's the first thing I've heard. In um, yeah. So thank you podcast for being, being <laughs> like the, literally the first text I've gotten. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how long. Um, but uh, yeah, so we feel hopeful. Uh, unfortunately, we lost a, a series. We had station 11, which I was obsessed with is now going to go to, to Canada. It's a great, it'll be a great series though. Um, but uh, uh, hopefully more things will, will come and look here. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and then just, uh, you know, on a, on like a pure technical level is, is that we haven't, you know, been able to audition anybody in person. Um, I think our last audition was March 13th. That's exactly like. right. Yeah. Oh, and uh, that's the exact like date, everything shut down, right? We had a session, yeah. we had a pullback and we tried to, we thought about canceling it one person at a time. We Cloroxed everything in between all the actors, but the at that day, end, yeah, yeah, that was it. We knew that it was it. Gonna work. Yeah. The beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, you know, now all of our auditions are self tapes, Zoom calls. Um, but artists are getting really good with that now. Like, yeah. like we got it under control. Actors are self taping beautifully, and uh, we're going to make it work. And it's weird what you can get used to, I guess. Um, and what you're willing to accept. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think everyone's kind of like, okay, this is what we're doing and we still want to make art. So we're going to, we're going to make it happen. The one thing that was really nice was that um, Fargo, when they shut down uh, season four, when they had to shut down because of COVID, uh, they still had two episodes to shoot and they came back in August and we're like, we're gonna, we're gonna make this happen. We're gonna do it. We, we wanna get these two episodes shot so that we can start airing. And so they came in, I think it was like August, I think they shot August 24th through September 9th. And they basically had everybody cast because they were all cast to shoot in March. And so they just found, you know, just use those people again. Um, and it was like, it was funny in Chicago, it was like all eyes are on Fargo watching them and how are they going to do this without anyone testing positive and how is it gonna be done safely? Because if they can do it, then that was gonna sort of give the green light to other shows and films to feel like they could shoot here in Chicago. And they did it. I mean, there was six weeks of pre-pro and then uh, the you know two and a half weeks of shooting and not as, I mean, you know, knock on wood or whatever, like not a single uh, positive test. They tested the actors three times a week. Um, I mean, they had crazy amounts of protocol happening and uh, it worked. And so I think it gave everybody hope um, that we can do this. There is a way to do it safely. So has Fargo, the show, always been shot in Chicago? No, uh, each season is, I think, shot somewhere differently, right? I don't. I actually. I don't know the answer to that. But this was the first. This this was all Chicago. So, from what it seems to me, it kind of seems like you guys have like cornered the Chicago market. So there's some other really good casting directors here. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I, Yeah. um, But is that how the (laughs) casting industry kind of works? Where like you oper like you only cast out of the city of from which you operate. So, like, you wouldn't pass a production that's taking place in L.A. or New York, for the most part? Probably not, no. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we work on a show called Southside. It was on Comedy Central. I believe it's moving uh, to HBO Max now. But, um, so, like, for that, because everything was happening here and it was such a Chicago show, then they did have us working with the LA agents and getting the the few LA people that they needed, but because it's, it is a Chicago show and they, they didn't need anybody really that wasn't already living here, you know? So, so for the, you know, 10% of people that they needed, we, we did cast out of, out of LA for that. But, um, but yeah, LA and New York have hundreds of 
casting directors that are amazing and can can do that there. Um, and I think uh, I think that's pretty true of most uh, what we call ourselves as regional casting directors is that you kind of stick within your, your region. Well, I guess, Trent, unless you have anything else to ask, that brings us to the end. Yeah, we just wanted to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Ah, thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. It made something fun to do on a Saturday. So that was Mickey Pascal and Jennifer Rudnicki. They worked on the Chicago unit for The Trial of the Chicago 7, which will be coming out October 16th on Netflix. So check it out to see all of their Chicago casting decisions. Thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, we'll see you later. Welcome back. Well, that was our interview. Thank you so much to Mickey Pascal and Jennifer Rudnicki. They were amazing. They were awesome Excellent. to listen to. We learned so much. Um, yeah. So that's our show for this week. Next week, we'll be discussing our thoughts on the film. And um, after that. Having, uh, and then after that, we may have had a a um a special we may have a special guest for a new film that came out what kind of fairly film? recent it rhymes with bennett can i guess um no anyways um we hope you guys enjoyed this episode we hope you guys listen to next week's episode and we hope you we hope to you be frank around. we hope you listen to all the episodes we need your support we thrive off of the attention you give us it's the only thing keeping us alive at this point. It's the IV needle sticking out of our arm. More importantly, it's the sponsorship that we get from from you blindly tuning into our program. So yeah. don't skip through those ads, please. All right. Well, I guess see you next week, guys.